Welcome to Tech Uncorked. I'm Dean Gratton. And I'm Sarah Jane Gratton. And together we explore a new world of technology and innovation. With lively discussion and some great interviews. Welcome to our new episode. Smart home technology has come on leaps and bounds. And genuinely now we're we're seeing full smart home, smart lighting, uh, smart heating systems, and, and so on. When it gets silly is the talking refrigerator. Whoever thought of that needs a good slap. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of liked the idea of the connected refrigerator when I first heard about it, strangely. And don't look at me like that, but I actually did. But now, yes, it just seems, doesn't it, that it's taking all the brain power out of living. But, uh, I mean, know, we're not having to think about anything. I can, I can agree with a smart refrigerator in terms of energy use and how it, the, the consumption yeah. and to optimize efficiency within the in the refrigeration and the cooler and whatnot but for a, a refrigerator to tell you that your milk is low mm. i mean seriously aren't we <laughs> have we lost the capability to think <laughs> well that's what i mean i think that a lot of it you know it's um it makes things too easy doesn't it it makes things too easy you're not thinking Okay, but that's that's guilty of all technologies because I remember the time we used to have and um, we had a map in the car to find oh, our yeah. to navigate ourselves around streets and whatnot, and we had to think about what we what, what we did and how to how to manoeuvre. I mean, I'm absolutely lost now without you know my no my, pun intended. I'm no pun intended. I I need my my sat nav and everything now is I take for granted in in the house. I mean, we we are an echo house. Well, I won't mention her name because she'll kick in. But um, she can be quite annoying sometimes. She can be quite annoying. And you have to you have to be quite specific with what you. <laughs> so you mean if you if you did that, she'd. <laughs> well, exactly. Because uh, yeah, if if we fumble our words and whatnot, but she won't get the the human nuances and speech and and all that. Mm. But she's very useful. I mean, I find when I'm cooking and I want to convert things, I want to convert a cup to grams, or even to know, you know. Um, what the weather's going to be like for tomorrow. So if I was planning to... Call me old-fashioned, but look out the bloody window. No, but you don't know what the weather's going to be like by looking out the window. Yes, you do. Oh, it's sunny. Oh, it's raining. Tomorrow. Oh, because, yes, we need to know about tomorrow. We need to know about tomorrow, especially when you're planning things ahead. So I do find her very useful. I also like the fact that she controls our music library now. We can basically listen to what we want. Yeah, and we have music all around the house, which is a great yeah, feature. I like that. So, I mean, there's an example of technology that I think is useful uh, and, and connecting because we're able to talk to, to Charlotte. Charlotte's our daughter. Um, we're, we're able to talk to friends all all through um, you-know-who. Let's not mention her name. I do like the idea of having my toothbrush tell me. Seriously? I do like that We're, we're going to have big words we about this. We are going to have big words about it. We're going to have big words, but not necessarily in the right order. But I do feel my toothpaste is Tommy. Tommy, my my toothpaste dispenser even, is sort of connected. He tells me the exact amount of toothpaste to use on my brush, Timothy, so, so that's, Tommy and Timothy. Okay, this is this is a this is the other classic example of uh, when we don't need technology. That's a great example where we don't need technology. I know, but I just like we're it. solving first world problems which don't need to be solved. Tommy and Timothy, which don't need to be solved. Tommy and Timothy. Mm, you're going to have words. It's so we're we're solving. Uh, that, that's the thing when you talk about your toothbrush like that and how. 
It's the same with a smart refrigerator. We're solving first world problems. Yeah. We don't need to solve first world problems. Yeah. We need to tackle real world problems. So we don't need technology when. So I saw a couple of days ago a 5G report. I can't remember if it was on BBC News or Sky, where someone was talking about the use cases and the future of 5G. And there was one particular use case that came up, and, and that was the uh, enabling uh, bins, so you, mm. the the refuse that you collect in the week, and you you fill it up, and every every fortnight the the local council comes along and and picks it up. And that, that's their cycle. But now we have five uh, G. It will notify the local council. Seriously, I mean, what's wrong with their two week cycle? But I also saw the same use case being used or being described with IoT, and this this was back uh, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen or so, when use cases were being developed for IoT, and the same use case was used or enable these smart bins so we can notify the local council. So I, when I see that, when I see these use cases being recycled, to use the pun, mm. then I don't think we've moved any further forward with the technology use cases and how we're going to scope so and use. reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and IoT is going to do this. Now, 5G is going to do this. Mm. Change uh, the record. Yeah, it's we're just stuck in this little rut and we have no idea what to do with it sometimes. What are some examples? I mean, you've worked on and with lots of different technologies, including the Internet of Things. What do you think are the best examples of the IoT for improving life, for improving, you know, the quality of life? We shouldn't know it's there. It, sh- it shouldn't be. We, we shouldn't have to think it's there. And for me, I, I like to go back to what I'd like to call classic IoT, where we just have all the sensors capturing data, allowing us to know more about the environment, to collect that data, to present it to us in, in a human-readable form, which is providing some added value, whether it's about an environment, uh, whether it's about a flood control system, whether it can use weather forecasts to predict that, yeah, it's going to be quite heavy in a few days. And say on a, on a beach somewhere in the UK, we have a flood defense system and it knows in advance what to do and it can invoke the flood barriers to protect the community and the local community, which is often uh, flooded by mm. waters and whatnot. Yeah. That's a practical use case and uh, not to notify the council that they need to collect their bins. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a difference there. But also now with with what's going on in the world with the pandemic, do you think technologies made steps forward for healthcare, remote healthcare perhaps, you know, in helping to, I mean, they're talking now, aren't they, about AI, this AI solution that they're talking about improves CT diagnosis speed. I mean, it's 96% accurate at diagnosing the virus in seconds through imaging. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something that's... Um, that technology is um, being a saviour at, really. AI is a broad term. Um, people get ever so excited by, about the notion. But what I hear there is it, it's just uh, data. Here comes the big question, the value in data and how to measure that data and how to utilise uh, the best use cases out of that data and to to model predictive patterns and even how the how the uh, the virus mutates we watched the um that series the the queen's gambit where that girl excellent series on netflix learned, watch it if you haven't already folks it's wonderful well she she obviously was able to in her mind play through scenarios yeah and what the best outcome was now if you think of a computer can do that much quicker than a than a human and with the data modeling techniques which can be applied to say the virus tracking and not only the virus tracking, but how it mutates 
And this is where an excellent mm. example of uh, data science and data modeling under the umbrella of artificial intelligence is used and ne- to leverage the future of the virus. Yeah, it's, it's clever programming and smart technology, as you always say, making use of the data that's out there, bringing it all together to paint a picture of what we can expect to happen and, and hopefully stop this in its tracks. And of course, with the also with the recent uh, announcement of the uh, the vaccine, which is ninety percent effective, albeit on a small number of people. Well, I say it's a small number; it's still forty four thousand. But in the same way that we say that the first generation products and technology, I suppose you can liken it to a first generation vaccine. Yeah. And of course, we will see it evolve where the second generation, third generation will become more effective and hopefully it will achieve 100 percent and disappear. Yeah, it was so great to hear that announcement because for so many people that, you know, it's a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel that's that's there, you know, shining down. So let's hope that it delivers on what it promises. But technology, when it serves a purpose, adds value, adds value, is a Bloody good thing. Yeah, let's, let's this, actually yeah. Um, develop something useful. What I mentioned earlier about the IoT tackling or solving the uh, flooding problem yeah. or being part of a solution to solve that problem, that's a real genuine problem. That's a real-world uh, problem where a lot of houses and businesses are affected by local flooding in areas, mm-hmm. and we need uh, technology to, to solve that. And I also think uh, with agriculture and uh, because of the pandemic and the uh, limitation of travel and working and you had these farmers produce their 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 produce which was left to rot and i think there are a number of companies now working on uh, robotics that could actually pick and harvest yeah yeah harvest that uh, produce um and i think that is fabulous use of technology Mm. that's again solving a real world problem yeah but i think a lot of the growers who you see the potential in this, and obviously the potential is clear. Are thinking, what? Well, how? How am I going to make this change happen? How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, you know, am I going to get support from government to help me implement this in my fields? Because um, I'm sure one robot ain't gonna ain't gonna do it. You're going to need quite a few, aren't you? <laughs> You know, to do it, you know, one lone robot picking, you know, a field full of apples. Yes, but that lone, that lone robot will be able to work 24 hours. It will be able to work 24 hours. That's very true. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure with the larger farms that more than one would be needed. And we, have, we haven't reached the stage where these robots have any rights. So we can stick them in a field. The only thing they're going to suffer is uh, low battery. And they're not going for, for their you coffee break. You only them. have to feed them with energy. You have a solar-enabled uh, uh, robot, can charge throughout the day, and hopefully can continue throughout the night. Mm. I just think it's that it's that education for the growers, and also the, the assistance that they need in getting started with all this. You know, it's it's, a yeah, it's education, and yeah. and, I, and I think importing produce from Europe is is a, is a new challenge. But if we can actually keep it local, I mean, local to the UK, where we can actually produce our own produce and sustain our, uh, ourselves, where we're not relying on yeah, as much as possible, external parties. You know, I think that's something that we've got out of the habit of doing. We go into the supermarket and you've got strawberries on the shelves all year round. You can have what you want when you want it. We're not eating seasonally anymore. No. You know, that's gone. When I was a little girl, it used to be, well, this is in season, you know, cauliflowers are in season now. Oh, let's buy cauliflowers. Let's make cauliflower cheese. Let's do this. Let's do that. Well, now you can get a cauliflower all, all the way through the year. But we can't get marrows. Planted. 
we can't get marrows this year. Does anybody know? Please email us. We haven't seen a marrow in the veg section for a, a couple of years, I'd say. Marrows are missing. Marrows are missing. Where this are is the, the marrows? The mystery of the missing marrows <laughs> to be continued. I tell you the other thing, really. That? That, there is one thing, I saw, and I saw we were in, we were at uh, Hanover Mess. Yeah, and, that's um, a technology um, event that happens. Well, it did happen. It didn't happen this year. And I listening to this chap talk about the problems that we're having with a button in the boot. So rather than actually using your hand to close the boot mm. of your car, mm. um, you push a button and it will close automatically. And he was explaining all the problems and challenges he had to, to actually make this button to work effectively and whatnot. And, and I just thought, you're just solving a, a, a first world problem. What's wrong with my hand closing the boot? Well, what about if you've got a handful of packages? Does it, is it like a sensor that knows when you're moving away from the car? Oh, you've got to open the, the boot. If, you, if, you're, if your hands are full of your groceries or whatever, yeah. you have to approach the car anyway and push a button whether it's to open the boot or not. So by, could, by logic... If the car knew you were coming up behind it, that it recognised you, maybe by your phone... And it unlocked the car and opened the boot for you. And, and meanwhile, the little scallywag has noticed this, jumped into your car, stolen all your groceries. So you're saying when you this happens, does it? There are that that <laughs> I grew up in Barry. No, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, 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 no. I I can see that this might even be out there. Our car doesn't do this. We have a very old uh, car. But I I can see the potential in walking up to your car at recognizing you. Unlocking, or perhaps just I, I think opening this, the boot. To to uh, to some extent, I think I've, I've seen many vehicles already do this, where mm. you're in proximity to the car and unlocks. And yes, you can open the boot, but to to actually once you've loaded your boot with your groceries and whatnot, mm. and you you've got to press a button to close it. Mm. I, it's just, again for me that's not mm. a real world problems, and yet we're we're, we're spending an inordinate amount of time. I'm developing this technology so you can actually press a button to close the boot. Mm. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really get the pushing the button. I like the actual, it knows you're there, it knows you've gone away, close it. But pushing a button, if you're going to push something, you might as well pull down the, the boot. Yeah. You're still using your hand. Call us old-fashioned. If there's something we're missing here, please, please let us know. We're talking about technology, both very useful and unnecessary today. But if you can think of some examples of technology that you feel has really helped you, or likewise, technology where you think, that was such a waste of my money, uh, we'd love to hear from you because yeah, this will be another show. So please uh, let us know your thoughts. I also think we have uh, the, all the big manufacturers of, of smartphones, of uh, tablet devices and, and PCs and laptops and notebooks and what have you. And we go through a continual cycle. It almost seems an annual cycle of getting the next best products out there and whatnot. And I really, I really do wonder about the massive products that exist or have been recycled or removed. Actually, are they being recycled? Can you really? Because I don't think you can actually break all these products down into the, mm. the singular parts and reuse them. And I really do think these manufacturers should have a responsibility and about sustainability and growth. Perhaps these manufacturers should actually think about producing their products every two years rather than have an annual cycle because this will help um, reduce the 
and the need to use materials, which are becoming, I'm sure, more scarce as time goes on, mm-hmm. and gives consumers an opportunity to to reuse uh, products yeah. uh, rather than just throwing in the bin. So there's there's one particular manufacturer. I'm not going to name names that uh, produce or allow third parties to produce their the chargers and uh, other cables, USB cables. And I think there's a there's a global consensus to strive towards having just one uh, uniform, universal power adapter and cable uh, to charge your devices uh, using USB-C. And I think that 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 should be encouraged. And uh, all manufacturers should take responsibility producing a universal um, adapter that anyone can pick up from a local store. So it's like one size fits all. Absolutely. Yeah, which again improves, you know, is is a sustainable way of yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, your products. There's, there's so much waste. Whether you're you've got products manufactured every year, you you you've got their associated charges and other cables just being thrown, discarded. Surely we're going to run out of material sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just looking at the bigger picture of everything, isn't it? And we do take for granted so much these yeah. days. Let's talk about um, the positive side of technology at the moment. I mean, if we'd had the pan- if we'd had this pandemic fifteen years ago, I don't know, fifteen years ago, maybe thirty years ago, say. Well, at twenty years ago, we wouldn't be able to connect like we are now. We wouldn't have that connection with family and friends that we yeah. do now. Well, I, I suppose the 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 improvement in speed across uh, the cellular generation technologies, the the, the improvement in broadband. And connectivity within the home is, mm-hmm. is vastly improved. And I suppose, yeah, you're right. 20 years ago, I don't think it would be as uh, as full on as it is now. I mean, it's lovely to be able to, you know, drop in on our neighbour Sarah using our echoes and have a conversation. If, you know, she's an older lady and if she had a fall, she could actually just ask to be contacted. Yeah. There's also an emergency services option that... I set up for her where it would automatically, oh, really? yeah, well, she just asks. Yeah, so there's all sorts of things that make her feel safe. You know, she's she, we're in lockdown again now. She can't get out. Um, I'll drop things off to her doorstep for her when I do the weekly shop. But there's a sense of not just physical, but mental isolation for a lot of people. So that's where I think technology can step in and ease that loneliness, if you like. Whereas 20 years ago, yes, we had our landlines. Um, and we had mobile phones 20 years ago. We did have mobiles 20 years ago, but I remember how expensive they were. I even remember how expensive landlines were. You know, my parents would, oh, you've been on the phone now for 10 minutes, Sarah. <laughs> you know, come on. God, this is costing us money. God, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't spend too long on the phone. Now, you know. A lot of us have unlimited packages. We can call who we want, when we want, for as long as yeah. we want. But I also remember a time, do you remember, so in the early days, well, you talk about 20 years ago, let's say let's say 2000 or so, where we had a mobile phone and some uh, network operators inhibited uh, the ability to make a call over Skype. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so, and of course you, you had to use their their services to to pay them of course but of course uh, now nowadays it's using whatsapp you can use skype and with our provider we we've got unlimited data uh text messages and voice you know that there's an awful lot of affordable plans out there that do allow people to stay in touch 24 7 and have that connectivity 
which I think is a much more of a blessing than a curse right now. So yes, that's the positive side of technology. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? There's always two sides to things. And But for me right now, I'm very, very grateful for the technology that's around us. I don't care for the talking refrigerator. I don't care for... The, the recycle bins notifying the, the local council to pick up my bin. <laughs> I don't care for the IoT of the tumble dryer. I don't care for the IoT of the kettle. I just uh, do appreciate um, the connectivity that I have thanks to technology advances. And I think that's a really positive way to end this particular episode. When technology works... Technology for good. Technology for good. Technology for connecting, for assisting in healthcare, for assisting in the food that we eat, the supply chain of the food we eat, everything that connects us in a positive way. We hope you uh, enjoyed today's episode. If you want to reach out with any comments, please do so. Well, that's it for today's show. And for more information about today's episode, go to techandcork.com. Until Until next time. time.